Um, we talked last week about the fact that God, after he delivered his people out of bondage in Egypt, was teaching them and training them to continually look to him for the help that they needed. Whatever crisis, challenge, or difficulty came up, God wanted his people to look to him. And, and can I just say that there is, there is a tension, if you will, in our life as a Christian in this respect. God, as we're going to see here tonight in this passage we're going to look at, expects us to do what we can do, to do our part, to play our role, to, to put ourselves, in a sense, in the right place, to put ourselves in a spiritual environment where, you know, we can grow and where we can hear them. So we need to do our part. It can't be a total, totally passive attitude about living life, like just let go and let God for all of it. Because we've got to cooperate with God and we've got to learn what that looks like to do what we should do and what we could do. But then there comes that line where then we also have to learn to let God do and to trust God to do and to believe God to do the things that we can't do. The things that are out of our control. In a sense, the, the greater or bigger picture. We can do our little part, but we've got to learn to trust God for the bigger things. And, and that's what Israel needed to learn to do, because in doing that, that's how they were really going to conquer, if you will, and go in and grab the promised land. And then be able to enjoy all that God had for them in the promised land. Now, for us as Christians today in the New Testament era, we need to look at the promised land as that abundant life, that victorious Christian kind of life that God wants us all to experience with Him. Uh, it's not a picture of heaven, because there will be no battles in heaven or anything like that. That is not the proper interpretation of the promised land in Joshua or in, in Exodus. It is living life to its fullest through God down here on earth. And yes, there will be battles. And yes, there will be enemies to fight. And yes, there will be challenges. But in each and every situation, what we need to learn to do through our spiritual growth is to learn to do what we can do and to be where God wants us to be and to put ourselves in the proper place and then again, look to God to do the rest. And that's what Israel was learning. Let's go back again to last week. As soon as they were delivered from Egypt, they were backed up to the Red Sea. And they had to look to God to get them out of that, that fix and to deliver them from the hands of their enemies once and for all. And God parted the Red Sea. Then we saw last week that God brought them to a place called Mara, where they had this water, but it was bitter. It was undrinkable. And God said, look to me, and I will heal those waters, and I will make them to where you can drink them. And then they went from there into the wilderness of sin. And there they had no food. And the Bible says God provided them this supernatural food from heaven called manna. What is it? 
And uh, they had that for 40 years. And then uh, after that, though, he took them out of that wilderness there uh, because they were on their way to Sinai. They hadn't started wandering in the wilderness yet. And then he took them from there down to this place called Rephidim, where we saw last week, not only was the water not bitter, but water was bitter. There was no water at all. And so God told Moses, I want you to strike this rock and out of this rock is going to flow water for, the, for my people to drink. So each and every step that they took on their way to Sinai, where God was going to give Moses, you know, his law, and then they were going to head on into the promised land, that was the ultimate plan of God. God was teaching them at every step, look, you're going to come up against difficulties, against obstacles, against challenges, against enemies. Look to me for victory. Look to me for your help. Do what you can do, but then look to me for the rest. In fact, a great verse for us to sort of uh, blanket this entire passage in Exodus with from the New Testament, I think, would be Philippians 4.19, a verse we should meditate on and memorize at all times. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. Look, I don't know what battles you're going through right now. I don't know what struggles you're dealing with. I don't know what challenges or difficulties you may be facing right now. But here's what I know. I know the same thing that Paul said to the Philippians. Our God can supply your need. Whatever you need, God can supply. And what we need to do then is look to God to supply out of his glorious riches through Christ Jesus. So I hope tonight that maybe, again, through this passage of Scripture, all of us will be looking to God for what we need in the times that we need it. So we pick it up, as we did last week, in verse 8 of chapter 17. And I wanted to just go back for a few minutes and just do a quick review. While they were in Rephidim, waiting on another move, another guidance of direction from God, Amalek came and attacked Israel there in Rephidim. And we saw this was unprovoked. Israel didn't do anything to deserve it. But the Amalekites were a persistent enemy of Israel. In fact, we saw in the Old Testament that even while they were leaving Egypt, the Amalekites were so ungodly and so wicked that they literally attacked sort of the the stragglers, the people who were wounded or who were weak or who were sick, in the back of the line of this great host of people that God had delivered out of Egypt. And they were always sort of a thorn in the side of Israel. Now, we might not have Amalekites attacking us today, But we know the New Testament teaches we have persistent enemies in our life as well. We have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. And they are enemies that will nag at us just like gnats and flies and mosquitoes. They just will not let us alone. And and the principles that Israel was learning here in Rephidim uh, can be applied to our life in facing our enemies as well. And so we also learned last week that Moses, here in verse 9, was talking now to Joshua. And we talked about the fact that last week we said, this is the first mention of Joshua in the Bible. 
here in Exodus chapter 17, verse 9. And where do we find Joshua? We find him right by Moses. And we said that this is really a picture of someone that God is you know, going to train and whatever. And, and part of why God has his eye on Joshua is because Joshua has placed himself where he should. He's right there beside of Moses. He's a faithful, available, and teachable individual. And we talked last week about being fat in the right sense. That God is looking for faithful, available, teachable people. And Joshua portrayed that here by being right there with Moses and looking to Moses, learning from him, uh, you know, seeing how God worked through him and being there in that kind of environment. And so when Moses needed someone to go out and literally fight the battle for Israel, he picked Joshua. Yet we're going to see here in a little bit, Joshua had to be a person of faith as well. Let's remember, Israel at this point was not this great fighting force like they were under David later on in the kingdom age. They were slaves in Egypt all those years. They had no military uh, experience in fighting battles and fighting wars. That's why God was going to take them step by step and teach them and train them slowly how to do it. In fact, that's why here in this battle... Uh, they pretty much don't have to do as much as obviously God does it for them here. And, and more and more as they learned what to do and how to do it, then God again would let them do it as they learned how to do it. But it took a lot of faith for Joshua to take a, a group of people from Israel out to fight a very trained force like the Amalekites. So he chose Joshua and he said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight against Amalek. And we said last week again, this word choose is a very important word. It is a command to take a keen look and make a careful thought out choice about who to take with us into battle. And we talked a lot about that last week, how we are to be leaders for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and whether we think we're a leader or not, one of the things that we need to do is make sure that the choices that we make in our life, are well thought out, prayed over, those type of things in our life. And one of the things that we need to do as leaders is if we are gathering people around us uh, to, to accomplish something for the Lord, to maybe fight a spiritual battle, if you will, we need to be careful who we choose to be around us for the battles of life. Who would you choose to be in the battle, in the fight with you when those battles and fights come? Who do you want to be, you know, praying for you and praying with you? Who do you want to be standing by your side in the battles and fights and struggles of life? That's an important question. And, and you, you and I really get to see this even out in the world where, you, you know, people might not have much interest or even Christians sometimes don't have much interest in spiritual things until some crisis or difficulty comes up. And then all of a sudden, who do they call? Who do they text? Who, who, do, they, who do they want praying for them? Uh, who, do, who do they want to know about the situation and be by their side and be with them through the struggle? We all have that. And, and this is illustrated for us here. Who was going to be the men 
that were going to be chosen to go out into the battle. That's a very important thing for us to think through as well. And I talked last week about the fact that even in local churches, that many local churches do a very poor job about selecting people for ministry and for leadership positions. It's whoever wants it or whoever feels guilty and just sort of takes it rather than the one who's called and the one who's chosen uh, and who's, uh, how do I say, displayed a faithful, available, and teachable character. And this is exactly what was happening here with Moses and Joshua. Notice, In verse 9, he says, Tomorrow to Joshua, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Couple things. First of all, the word stand here means to take his stand, to be fixed, to be firm, to be established. Moses is in a sense saying, I'm going to take my stand for God up there. Joshua, you and the men that we have chosen, you're going to take your stand for God down there in the valley fighting the Amalekites. And notice where Moses goes. He needs to, as the leader, go to the summit or to the top of the hill. He needs to be accessible. He needs to be in a place where the people of God can see their leader. They need to to be able to see him. He needs to be in in a prominent place, not hiding out somewhere where no one can see. That's an important principle for us to remember as well. God wants his people to be out in front, see, so that others can see and so that we can lead by example. And this is exactly what Moses was doing. But notice also, Moses took with him the staff or the rod of God in his hand. Why? Because this was symbolic of the presence and power of the Lord. Moses obviously saw this this stick that God gave him that, that was transformed from the rod of Moses into the rod of God, part the Red Sea. He saw this staff or rod get water out of a rock. He, he saw this and so did the people of God. And so they were going to be encouraged to look at the staff, not to look at Moses. Moses was a mere human being. He was just simply going to be the instrument through which the people could see God at work through this staff. And this staff was in his hand. This is figurative of the strength and power of anybody. In other words, what what is displayed here is that this staff of God, this rod of God in Moses' hand that was going to be up there at the summit or top of the hill that the people and that Joshua and the, the, you know, the people that were going out to fight the Amalekites could see in his hand was in a sense saying that the strength and power of God was there. Not Moses' strength and power, but the strength and power of God was operating through that staff. Now, as we go down through here, I want you to notice this. Notice that in this passage, one of the important things that I think God is teaching us here as the people of God is that everybody has a role to play. And what we need to do as the people of God is find out what role does God want me to play in in his work. And, And to realize that Not one role is more important than the other. You you need the Joshua's actually down there fighting the physical battle, but you also need the Moseses and the Aaron's and the Hur's behind the scenes doing their part as well. You need both. You need people out front, 
But you also need plenty of people behind the scenes. And what this passage is certainly illustrating is not one is more important than the other. They are all vital to seeing victory for God's people. They are all vital to see victory in our own lives. But what we do have to do, what we are responsible for, is to find out what part or what role God wants us to play. Because we all have a part or role to play, you see. That's part of the challenge of any local church, is encouraging every person to find out what is your role, what is your part, because we can't, you know, truly see all that God wants to do if only a certain percentage of people are doing their part and the others are just spectators. And yet we understand in most churches, there are more spectators than there are participants. Now, I must say, at the Oasis, I don't believe that to be true. I mean, is everybody participating? No. Can we do better? Can we encourage more people to get involved and to truly become a part of what God's doing and find their role and do their part? Absolutely. We will always have that challenge. But the point is this. Whether you're actually called of God to actually be down in the valley fighting, literally, or whether you're called to be behind the scenes, uh, whatever your role is, all that we need to do is do our part because every part is important. So Joshua, notice, fought against Amalek just as Moses had instructed him. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Notice, Joshua was willing to fight the Amalekites. He was willing to engage in battle. There is a time, in a sense, to say, there's a battle here. I need to fight. I need to have that mentality that I am in a fight. I am in a battle. And, and, and I need to fight the enemy on the front that he is, you know, attacking me at. You know, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. And we need to, as, as the children of God, sometimes put on sort of that, that soldier mentality that we are in a spiritual warfare. And that, you know, we have fights to fight and we need to come together as God's people and support each other in these battles. And just as we're seeing here with the people of God, again, this is one of the things that God was trying to teach his people. The battle is the Lord's and ultimately victory is going to come because I'm going to bless and I'm going to oversee this battle. But people have got to be willing to do their part. Joshua and the men that were chosen had to be willing to go down in the valley and have the courage and the strength to go out there and face a superior fighting force, the Amalekites. And, and Moses and Aaron and Hur had to be willing to go up to the top of that summit and sort of fight a spiritual battle on top of that hill as well. Everyone had to be willing to do their part and then look to God for the victory. Notice very fascinating here in verse 11, it said, whenever Moses would raise his hands, would lift up his hands, then Israel prevailed. Whenever he would rest his hands, then Amalek prevailed. I believe that the raising of hands here is symbolic of simply depending on the Lord. It was, it was a way of Moses saying, God, again, we need you. We're not going to win this without you. We need your help. And the lifting up of hands was a way of sort of saying, God, please, 
Come help us in this battle. Again, a symbol of dependence. Something, again, we all need to learn in our life. Whatever battle, whatever challenge, whatever crisis, whatever difficulty, we all need to learn more and more to be dependent on the Lord. Not to fight our battles ourselves. Not to fight them in our own strength. Not to fight them in our own wisdom. But to learn to do what we should do and can do, but then to depend on the Lord for what we cannot do and what is out of our control. Notice the Bible says, when he raised his hands, Israel prevailed. The word prevailed here means to have strength, to be strong, to be mighty, literally to do great things. When people learn to depend on God, they can do great things beyond what we could ever do on our own. That's true as a church. That's true individually. When we learn to put ourselves in the place where we should be, and then look to the Lord and depend upon Him, we can do great things. That's what Israel was learning. But again, whenever he would rest, let down, settle down his hands, then Amalek prevailed. So, they thought real quick, well, if it's all about this, in a sense, symbolic thing of of depending on the Lord, then Aaron and Hur had a, a great idea. Verse 12. When the hands of Moses became heavy, they took a stone, put it under him, and then Aaron and Hur held up his hands. They figured out what the source of victory or Israel prevailing would be. By the way, I think what you see here is something that needs to be commented on. And that is that you'll you'll note something here. Too, Too often... As Christians, we downplay how draining, how exhausting being in spiritual battles are. Because you'll notice something very interesting here. Even though Joshua and these men are fighting a physical battle, it never says in the text that they got tired of fighting the physical battle. But notice in fighting a spiritual battle, if you will, as, as Moses and Aaron and her were up there, you know, praying and, and feeling the weight, if you will, of what was going on, in a sense, even underneath the surface or behind the scenes in a spiritual way, that this was more than just Amalek and Israel. This was, this was good and evil. This, this was Satan and, and God. There was a spiritual battle taking place here that Moses was exhausted because of this spiritual battle that he was in. Which was all the more important why Moses needed to be able to look around and see that there were people who were supporting him as he fought these spiritual battles. None of us should ever fight battles on our own. Moses didn't fight this battle on his own. In fact, if he wouldn't have had Aaron and Hur by his side, Israel would have never prevailed. And so again, this is a great lesson for us. That even someone as great as Moses can't do it on his own. In fact, the very next chapter, chapter 18, is all about this great advice that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, even gives him when he says to Moses, Moses, you're doing too much on your own. You need, you need help. And this was even after Aaron and her were helping him. So folks, what this is teaching us is, look, when we're going to have battles in our life, and, and don't be surprised sometimes if the spiritual battles that you and I struggle through are even more exhausting 
than the physical battles that we go through. Uh, That's one of the things we see here. But to encourage us and to challenge each of us, let's remember something. When we start to go through these spiritual battles, instead of just trying to grit our teeth and somehow get through it on our own, we need to have some errands and hers around us that can come alongside of us and support us so that we're not trying to just go through this and gut it out ourselves. We'll never prevail that way. God wants us to understand that we need to learn to depend upon Him and we need to learn to accept the support and the encouragement from those around us. God never meant for us to do this on our own. And we see that here. And notice... You have to have people like Aaron's and hers who are willing to be behind the scenes. You know, Moses was the one that got all the credit, if you will, but Aaron and her were indispensable to the victory. If Aaron and her would have not supported Moses' hands, Israel would not have prevailed. And every church and every successful spiritual venture not only needs the Moses out there in front or the Joshua out there leading the army, but they need everyone. Everyone is vitally important. And you need the Aaron and hers. And we certainly have plenty of them here at the Oasis. People who are willing to be behind the scenes and whose ministry and whose importance uh, and whose role is just as important to the overall success of what we do here as any one of us who are out in front. And that's what we see here in Exodus chapter 17. When the hands of Moses became heavy, by the way, this word heavy is a really interesting word. Yes, it means burdensome. Yes, it means weighty. But very interestingly, it also means great and glorious. And it's almost as if what God is teaching us here is that there there is something so great and glorious as learning to depend upon this great and glorious God, but there's also something weighty and burdensome about it, if you will, as well. In other words, even learning to depend upon the Lord is not something that's just sort of passive and easy. It's something that we labor to do, you see. In fact, even the writer of Hebrews recognized this when he said in chapter 4, let us labor to enter into God's rest. It almost seems labor to enter into rest. Yeah, it's a struggle. Learning to depend upon the Lord and to turn things over to Him and to, in a sense, wrestle with God in prayer. And, and, and even, let's just take prayer, for example. I don't think that's all that's taking place here, as many people do. I think the lifting up of hands is much more just symbolic of, of a general dependence on God. But let's just take a slice of that, and let's just talk about the importance of prayer for a minute. If you, and, if, if, if you seek to pray for any length of time at all, you're going to understand what I'm talking about, that there becomes this struggle in prayer to keep my thoughts focused and to keep from drifting and and to keep from getting off track and, and to keep focused and all of this. There is a struggle even in the whole aspect of prayer. And yet the whole way through the Bible, God is saying without prayer, 
Nothing eternally can be accomplished. We must learn to be a people of prayer, even in that struggle of what prayer sometimes is. Satan will do everything he can to keep us from praying. Our flesh doesn't like to pray. You know, so we have to learn to do that, maybe even as heavy, as weighty, and sometimes as burdensome as it is. It is still great and glorious to be able to go into the very throne room of God and talk to the creator of the universe as we sang about tonight and know that we can call upon him and he's going to supply our need. And he's going to be our help. And he's going to fight our battles for us. And He's going to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. There's something great and glorious about that as well. So Aaron and Hur, notice in verse 12, held up his hands. It literally means here to grasp or hold, but it also means to support. Moses had support in his life. You and I need to have support in our lives and we need to be willing to support others. That's what this is all about. God was going to support Israel. But God wanted to teach the leaders of Israel and the people of Israel to support one another. And that's what was happening here. Notice, one on one side and one on the other. So his hands were steady, firm, faithful until the sun went down. It was all about being faithful, being firm. The the army of Israel, the people of God, had to be able to look up on that hill, that summit, and be encouraged that Moses' hands were raised. Again, not looking to Moses for victory, but looking in a sense to God for victory that was symbolic through that rod that was in Moses' hands. That's what they needed to learn to do. In fact, it is almost exactly identical to the picture of what God taught them when He told them when they were uh, being bitten by the serpents and needed to be healed, that they were to take that serpent, wrap it up on a pole, and they were to look to that. Obviously, the serpent, the pole, that wasn't what... it It was symbolic of them looking to God for healing. Looking to God for help. That's what they were to do. And this is exactly what was taking place here. So then we read, So Joshua destroyed Amalek and his army with the sword. Now here's something really interesting. This is why I love to study the Word of God, every word. Because I could have passed over that word destroyed and just thought, okay, he destroyed. But when you get into the Hebrew of what that word destroyed means, it literally brought me to my knees. It was like, wow, God, you gave me an understanding of something that I would have never seen had I just went to the English and not went back and saw what that Hebrew word meant. Here's what it means. It means to be weak. Literally, to be prostrate. In other words, God is teaching us something here. How did Joshua destroy Amalek? By being weak. By prostrating, in a sense, himself before God as well. Isn't that exactly, again, the principle that the Bible teaches us? What does Paul say? When I am weak, then I'm what? Strong. 
So Joshua destroyed Amalek by himself learning to be weak and letting God give him the victory. Wow, I was like, thank you God for that. I did a little dance. My wife didn't see it, thank goodness, but that was one of those study things. It's like, that's so cool, God. Thank you for showing me that. That's a great reminder that you know, our victory doesn't come through us being strong. Our victories in life come through us allowing God to be strong through us. And that's what Joshua, that's what Moses, that's what Aaron and her and the people of God were learning in this great adventure God had taken them on. Now, very interestingly, we wrap this up, verse 14. The Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in the book and rehearse it in Joshua's hearing, for I will surely wipe out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Another interesting thing. This is the very first time in the Bible that God commands somebody to write something down. And every time God tells somebody to write something down, which in just a couple chapters from now, God's going to tell Moses to write down the Ten Commandments. Pretty important, right? Every time God tells somebody to write something down, obviously, there's a significance there. God wants them to have a record of it because notice he says, write this as a memorial, a reminder. God wants his people not to live in the past, but God certainly wants his people to remind themselves continually and remember the great things that he has done for them so that we can be encouraged in our present battles. We should never forget what God has done. In fact, we should not only forget it ourselves and continually remind us of it, but we should pass these great things on to others so that they can be encouraged as well. Is this not even one of the main responsibilities that parents have in the Word of God? That we are to pass on to our children the great and glorious things that God has done? It's exactly what God is saying He wants Moses to do. Because notice what He says to Moses. I want you to rehearse this in Joshua's hearing. Very important word. It means to plant. It means to set. It means to fix it in Joshua's hearing. In other words, don't you get the picture? That God says, Moses, I want you to keep telling Joshua this until he's so sick of hearing it that it just, it, it becomes a part of him. Don't just tell it to him once. It's not going to plant. It's not going to fix. It's not going to settle in his hearing if he just hears it once. Repetition. Over and over and over again so that Joshua gets this down so that then Joshua later on can pass it on accurately and correctly to others under his leadership because God was already grooming Joshua for a leadership later on. He didn't even know about it. We should never get tired of being reminded of things we already know. All through the New Testament even. There's the teaching about, even for those who teach the Word of God, put them in remembrance. Remind my people of these things. Because we so easily either forget them or they stop being the focus of our attention even though we know them. 
And that's exactly what was happening here. Plant this in Joshua's hearing. Set it in there. Fix it in there. For notice, I will surely obliterate, blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. The first thing he wanted Joshua to get was, notice what I did to these people. He wants all of Israel to know that as well. But he wants his people to know these people paid a price for being ungodly. These people paid a price for ignoring me. These people paid a price for their wickedness. They are no longer remembered on earth because they took such a stand against me and against my people. Then verse 15, Moses built an altar. He established a place of sacrifice and gave a name to it. The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. It means Jehovah is my standard. He's my signal. He's my flag. He is to be lifted up. He is to be displayed prominently. He is the one we are to rally around because he's the one that ultimately gives victory. That's what Moses was establishing there. Again, into the hearing and into the sight of the people of God, he was displaying prominently before them. God is the one we rally around. He's the one that we center around. He's the one that's going to give us victory. He's the one that's going to get us to where we need to go. He's our banner. He's our signal. He's our flag. That's what the Lord is. You guys know how much I love Civil War history. And, you know, when you you study the, the battles of the Civil War, you realize that the flag bearers on both the Union and Confederate side was a very sacred position. Men would literally as the flag bearer had been killed by one, would literally rush to grab that flag and have the honor of carrying it in, in, in the battle, even though they were obviously, by carrying this flag, a sitting duck for the enemy to kill as well. There was something very honorable about being that flag bearer because e- even in those days, when, when there were these battles and wars going on, the flag was what? The army rallied around. It, it, it was, it was a, a source of pride for them. That's why the state flags that they fought under and obviously then the bigger either Confederate or Union flag was, was very symbolic for them. This goes all the way back to biblical time. When even here, the Bible is teaching that God is our flag. He's our banner. He's the one that we should rally around and look to for victory. And then it says, for a hand was lifted up to the throne of the Lord. Literally lifted up against the throne of the Lord. That's why the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. This war, these words lifted up literally mean to shake one's fist in the face of. In other words, what God is saying here is, Amalek literally shook his face, his fist in my face. That's what the Amalekites did. That's why God says, I'm going to wipe out their memory off the face of the earth. Don't forget what I did here. Don't forget the victory that I gave you here. Remember that. And so here's what you and I need to remember then as well. We need to be encouraged about the victories and the battles and the difficulties and the challenges and all that God has brought us through. Whether you literally write it in a, a journal, record it somehow to 
look at it every once in a while, or whether you just take the time every once in a while to go back in your mind and in your memory and contemplate the things that God has done and what He has brought you through to encourage you now in your struggles and battles. That's what this is teaching us. We need to do. We don't live in the past, but we get encouragement from the things God has done for us in the past. And that's what's happening here. Because God is teaching His people. Whatever you need, I can supply it. I'll give it to you. The victory comes from the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Ultimately, that's where it's won. It's learning to look to Him and depend upon Him. Yes, we've got to do our part. We've got to find our role and responsibility. Whether it's Joshua and the men down in the valley fighting, whether it's Moses and Aaron and her up on the summit doing their thing, everyone has a part to play and every role is significant and of value in what God has called us to do as His people. But what God is laying upon us as our responsibility is find what your part is. Find what your role is and do it with everything you've got. That's how the body is blessed. That's how the Lord is is glorified. Let's pray. God, we thank You for this great story from the Old Testament. We thank You, God, for the things that Israel was learning. And we thank You, God, for the things that we can learn from this time in history as well. God, we do pray that You would be our banner. That we would look to You. That we would rally around You. That You would be our focus and the center of all that we do. God, help us not to fight our battles of life and fight the circumstances of life and the struggles of life on our own, in our own strength and wisdom, but to learn to look to You and to depend upon You. And then beyond that, as we've learned tonight as well, help us not to go it alone. Help us, Lord, to be willing to support others and be willing to be supported by others in the battles and challenges and struggles of life. Because, Lord, You never intended for any of us to do this on our own. Help us, Lord, to encourage, support, and continue to pray for one another. Thank You, God, for the family of believers that You are knitting together here at the Oasis. May we continue, Lord, to grow in our strength in You, And may we continue to be a strength to each other, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, we'll see you on Sunday. And for those of you that can come out on Thursday, I'd love to see you out in Gold Canyon on Thursday.